Hey, pole dancer. Welcome to the Evidence-Based Pole Podcast. My name is Rosie Boa. I'm a pole dancer, pole teacher, and personal trainer. And I've started this podcast so that we can learn together, talk with the experts, read the research, and feel better on and off the pole. So if that sounds like something you're interested in doing, let's go. Hello, friends. We've got a really great episode today with Yasmin Moocher. Um, we go over basically the basics of what you need to know for the care and keeping of your body to not just succeed in pole and progress on your pole journey, but also just feel good. <laughs> that said, we do talk about some things that uh, may be sensitive topics for some folks. So we do talk about weight loss. We talk about calories. We talk about different foods. Um, we mention, um, you know, potential ingredients. So if orthorexia is something that you've struggled with in the past, might might be something you choose to say clear of or not, up to you. Um, so if those are things that you're not going to be good with hearing about today, uh, I will see you in the next one. I'm joined today, I'm very excited, uh, by Yasmin Moocher, who is uh, a lot of things, uh, but you may know as uh, Ben Don't Break 2 on Instagram. I'm trying to remember your exact handle off the top of my head. Um, ben Don't Break AT. AT. Mm -hmm. uh, for athletic therapy, I'm assuming? Yeah. Oh, fabulous. Uh, so let's start with that. Who are you? What do you do? What the heck is athletic therapy? So that's a thing. What totally. Yeah. So my name is Yasmin. Um, I was a professional circus performer. I focus mostly on trapeze and duo trapeze and duo acrobatics. Um, and then I studied kinesiology at Dalhousie University, and then I studied athletic therapy at Mount Royal University in Calgary. So I'm a certified personal trainer through CSEP. I'm a registered kinesiologist, and I'm an athletic therapist. So as we previously discussed, so kinesiology, it is, um, it's only a registered health profession in the province of Ontario. So it being registered just means that it is like regulated uh, by the government and we have certain acts we can and cannot perform and certain things that we can do under delegation from other registered health professions. It allows us, um, therefore it's a bit easier to get insurance coverage for kinesiology and makes our practice a lot more, like our scope of practice is a lot more regulated. So Ontario is the only province in Canada that has kinesiology as a registered health profession. It's different than kinesiotherapy. So I actually like a couple of weeks ago had to look up what kinesiotherapy was uh, because of this issue of somebody being confused between one and the other. Kinesiotherapy is generally, from my understanding, um, it's more mixed with massage therapy. Hmm. And it's just when massage therapists, um, they can get an extra certification, I believe, that brings a little bit more exercise uh, therapy into their practice but it is different than kinesiology, at least in Ontario, for sure. Athletic therapy is um, the Canadian equivalent of athletic training in the States. Hmm. So athletic therapy isn't a registered health profession in any province in, uh, in Canada or any of our territories. And it, um, because we're unregulated, there are, there's different pros and cons to each of them, but only people who have graduated from a, uh, like accredited institution and written our certification exam can call themselves certified athletic therapists, um, versus some people who may just use the term, but don't actually have that designation and that education. Wow. Oh, yeah. So I do all the things. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Um, 
And so I, I mentioned earlier before we started recording that I'm also a personal trainer and yeah. it sounds like uh, the big difference between what you do and what I do is, I mean, obviously I also do pole stuff, which I don't, I don't think you're teaching pole, um, but I really only work with people who are healthy, right? So if I have a student mm -hmm. who's injured or has some sort of like movement that's hurting them, uh, I'm going to refer them out. I, I don't, <laughs> I can't help you with that. Um, and it sounds like you really focus more on um, people who have been injured in the past or are, are currently dealing with, you know, a fresh one. Um, Definitely. So right now, and especially with COVID, I graduated and got certified in athletic therapy Sort of, I graduated March 2020, and then <laughs> with that took a little while to actually get certified. Um, and so I've kept my personal training certification just because it, it allowed me to get jobs in different places when there were a lot more restrictions on both sports and uh, and gyms and like just the fitness industry. And I haven't been in a place yet where I can let go of that certification. Within athletic therapy, there is part of our scope is strength and conditioning. Um, but it does, it's not necessarily as in depth as personal training may go in terms of looking at things like weight loss or, um, like regaining or gaining like cardiovascular capacity, that kind of thing. Um, so in my personal training practice, I work, uh, right now I work part-time at a women's gym oh, incoming dog. I don't know if you can hear her. I can't know. Um, perfect. <laughs> but in, um, my personal training practice, I work at a women's gym and so I see a whole whack of, of different kinds of things. And more so in my athletic therapy practice, I'm working with, uh, with athletes, mostly, uh, aesthetic sport athletes, mm -hmm. circus and dance and gymnastics. Um, so yeah, I find however, that where my athletic therapy practice and like the skills I have from that and my understanding of the body that I have from that and rehab times, and reconditioning that kind of thing, it blurs so much with personal training mm. because as soon as they, I can use the manual skills I have from athletic therapy. So whether I need to do some joint mobilization, some soft tissue release, whatever it is to get that person just moving a bit better, it moves right into, um, exercise therapy mm -hmm. and getting you strong again. Why, why did I have to mobilize something back to where it was? Why wasn't it being held properly in the first place, like by your muscles? Mm -hmm. And then with that, I guess the separate from personal training would be, can I use taping techniques? Can I use a bracing technique to help keep it there a little bit longer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that would be like the kinesiology tape. You'll sometimes see people. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one technique, like one kind of taping technique that we can use for sure. Um, not something that I would ever do <laughs> with my clients, not just because I only teach virtually, um, but again, just outside of the scope of my practice. And I think that's, um, you know, as fitness professionals, it's important to be forthright about what we can and can't do. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you mentioned you worked both with sort of aesthetic athletes. Um, so, you know, dancers, you know, I don't know if you work with pole dancers, but I think there's a lot of, you know, particularly in both working both with dancers and with circus artists, right? A lot of similarity in those movement styles. And also sort of yeah. just the general population. Um, and what in, in your practices do you notice are some of the, the biggest differences between folks who are aesthetic athletes and just like people who aren't, <laughs> let's just put it that way, just going around their life, not, not trying Definitely. to get upside down. Yeah. So like 
Once upon a time, when I was uh, when I was studying athletic therapy, I was out in Calgary, Alberta, and there I worked at a pole studio, um, partially teaching teaching like active flexibility classes and acrobatics classes and basic aerial classes. And I never taught pole. I did take a few pole classes, but I did work one-on-one with some of the pole athletes there, whether they were like working on a specific skill and it's like, okay, let's look at your movement and see where we got to get strong. Or if they were dealing um, with pain, working with them on that. In Toronto, where I am now, I haven't worked as much with, with pole athletes. But the main thing I noticed, I'd say the biggest difference is just the range of motion that like basically anywhere at any given joint is there's going to be a huge difference and also a huge difference in need so understanding that you know my average like mom that i get at the women's gym she can do a straight leg lift you know maybe 70 80 degrees and that's good enough for her she doesn't have patient of issues there but if i'm working with an aesthetic athlete and they can only get their leg on their own to 70, 80 degrees. That's not okay. That is not nearly enough. No. And same with shoulders. Shoulders have to be able to move like way, way more. And to get into that overhead position, even say at the gym, I may be working with um, some of my younger athletes that were working a bit more towards Olympic lifting and sure they need to get their arms way up overhead. But even then they can take like, they can get away with a much wider grip versus my aerial athletes that need to be like, if they're on a rope, on a pole, they have to be close together still. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely the biggest difference. But I find ultimately it's still training very similarly, you know, towards getting, um, getting those goals. If I need to improve range of motion in one versus improve range of motion in the other, it's just where do we stop? You know, how am I going to get that far? How strong do I have to be to get that far? Where are your limitations for shoulders? Are they coming from the thoracic spine? Are they coming from the lats? Is it coming from the pecs? What do we need to work on? So it's not, again, there's so much overlap between the two. It's just where do we end and what are we working towards? Yeah, so it's more degree of, you know, sort of stress and movement and then having strength in those positions, which, you know, um, the, the example of like the straight leg lift, if you're trying to invert, the higher you can get your legs, the easier it's going to be. So that's a functional movement to get, you know, past 90 degrees for a pole dancer, whereas for, you know, someone just out there living their life, not a whole lot of activities just in the world where you need to do that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, maybe if you have... A very tiny shower and you like to shave your legs and you lift your leg and put it on the shower ball maybe i'm trying to come up with examples definitely, yeah um, yeah definitely so um with that in mind right the 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 difference between you know artistic athletes like pole dancers and just regular people who don't want to do that thing maybe yet i don't know yeah. maybe they're maybe they're gonna be pole dancers at some point in the yeah. future um is degree and not like necessarily the types of motion right like you can only do so many types of movement with your ankles, for example. Um, you can only do so many types of movement with your wrist. So even though you may want more movement in that direction and more strength, there's, you know, the pathways of limited. We have you know, limited degrees of freedom as as people who live in human bodies. We are not octopuses. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so 
what are like the fundamental things that someone who's like, okay, I want to build my mobility. I want to build my strength. I have this movement goal, right? Maybe I want an aerial invert. Maybe I Mm -hmm. want a handstand. Maybe I want to do, um, you know, a front split. Um, I want to get towards there. What are the basics that they need to understand knowing that those are also going to be the basics that just like a person in the world is going to need to, to learn to, you know, change their movement in a way that makes their life easier. Definitely. So I'm going to potentially change this question a little bit and go to the idea of like, what are the basics? Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to me, whether it's for fitness, whether it's for injury rehabilitation, whether it's for like a specific skill, quite frankly, if we're not fueling enough, Mm. if we're not hydrating appropriately, if we have crappy sleep or crappy like recovery, and if our basic movement patterns, so when we talk about movement patterns, our squat, our hinge, our single leg squat or our lunge, whatever you want to call it, our pushing, our pulling, so that shoulder motion, Mm -hmm. if those things aren't there, then anything else we try to do on top of that isn't going to be optimal. So it's not to say that like, no, it's never going to happen. Oh, it can happen. Our bodies are great, great compensators and we'll find a way. But it ups our risk for injury. Mm. It limits our ability to move as efficiently if we're using like a compensated pattern. So rather than like, let's say going down a straight highway to get to our destination, we're going down like a little, little detour, little side route, and then getting there. So it makes it longer, harder to get to that thing. So that's the basics. So somebody is coming to me injured. Somebody's coming to me not being able to get a skill or just wanting to get stronger. They feel like they've plateaued. These are the things I want to look at like right away because it's something that is like, so I found in, in working with like, again, really different populations, it's, it's constant between them. You know, it is, it is a constant between them that these are things that get sort of left in the dust. Um, and I find it's really easy. Um, it's so funny right now at the gym, we have all the, uh, all our little teenagers are coming in now after school. And it's so awesome to see, you know, we have like 13, 15, 14 year olds coming in and wanting to work out and they're on TikTok being like, let's try this exercise. Let's try that exercise. And it's just like, Oh, but you can't squat to begin with. I think you that'll know? sound uh, very familiar to some pole dancers probably. <laughs> true and like that's the same thing you see the same thing you see the fancy trick and you want to do it Mm -hmm. but do you have the strength basis to get there you know do you have the energy availability to put in the work to to get there you know so if um if we we start from the top of that so are we fueling enough Mm -hmm. i find like diet culture Mm -hmm. is gonna yeah you know, but the things we see with that, so really restricting calories that people think that 1200 calories is enough for like anyone aside from a toddler, like to function, it's not enough. It's really not enough. And let's say with pole and with aerial, yes, we're getting a lot of like recreational athletes. Like most, the, the majority of the people who are practicing in these sports aren't, um, or activities, whatever the heck you want to call them. We're not going to argue about what and what isn't a sport, but doing these things, they're not doing it professionally. No. And that is totally fine. You know, it is personally, in my opinion, I think it's the most fun, the best thing ever. So professional or not, doesn't matter. It's the best. 
but fine, whatever. We're doing two or three classes a week. Maybe on top of that, you have a kid and you're running around with your kid and you're grocery shopping and you're doing laundry. That still adds up, you know, or you do pole on Saturdays and the rest of the week you run. That still adds up. So generally for somebody with female physiology, generally minimum 2000 calories. Yeah. Obviously there is nuance to this. If we are looking into some weight loss, obviously there's nuance for if we have different kinds of metabolic disease or hormonal dysfunction, there, there's always going to be nuance to it, but generally like 2000 to 2,500 calories per day is baseline. No, that is what we need. And I can send you, I can send you some harder numbers. I'm not going to go and start like jabbering off numbers because then like over the head, <laughs> I know when we're listening to these things, um, that you can put in show notes or, or we can collaborate Instagram posts, whatever the heck, but getting enough calories, are we fueled? And then when we start looking into training, are we fueling appropriately around our training? Yeah. So still, if somebody is eating one, like big ass burrito, that is 2000 calories once a day, like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't count doesn't work in in my perfect world we're fueled before we practice ideally like minimum two hours before we're getting something in and then we refuel within 30 to 45 minutes that really helps the body recover properly and also that the body doesn't perceive a low energy availability state um, so again, in, in, in talking with pole, yes, there are, there are people with male physiology who, who do pole as well. The majority we know have female physiology. Hmm. So I'm going to keep it there, uh, for now because our, these bodies work, they work differently. Hmm. And when somebody with female physiology, when their body perceives that there's low energy availability, we start to downregulate. And the first things that downregulate are our reproductive systems and our endocrine systems, so mm -hmm. our, our hormone systems, essentially. And that can really mess with our body's whole functioning. It can help us, it cannot help us <laughs> per se, but it'll uh, make us hold on to fat mass a lot more. We'll break down our muscles instead of our fat for energy because there's a lot more uh, like good stuff, a lot more nutrients in that. And Quite frankly, from like a, an evolutionary standpoint, our bodies want energy. Mm. So it'll hold on to fat mass longer compared to, uh, compared to muscle mass or, or rather like lean mass compared to fat. So are we eating enough? That is number one. Number two is looking at um, our macronutrients. So we can be eating enough, but even when some people say are um, go doing keto mm -hmm. and they're really low in carbohydrate, again, female physiology really um, really needs carbs. We, we're a lot more sensitive to um, the low carb diet in this like down regulation. So when our body perceives that we don't have enough carbohydrate then there's a downregulation of, of our hormones um, and, and like our endocrine and reproductive systems rather than just saying hormones. Um, and yes, like 
people can see good results in generally short periods of time on low carb or keto diet. And it may be like changes in performance might not always be like as evident when we see, like when we have this kind of down regulation, but three, four or five months down the line of it, that's when we start to actually see those symptoms. So people might be trying it and say like, oh yeah, like I feel great. I feel good. But ultimately the processes in their body are starting to downregulate and it can cause like more long-term issues. So carbs on that end. And then are we eating enough protein to actually rebuild and uh, help our muscles recover? So, and this is a thing I see a lot now also with like vegan athletes and vegetarian athletes. Not that there's anything wrong with, with veganism. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, you need to eat meat. It's just more challenging to, to make sure that you're getting everything you need. Exactly. Like it's totally doable. It just requires a bit more planning mm -hmm. and understanding that protein isn't as necessarily bioavailable, which means that it's not necessarily as easy for our body to absorb all the protein that comes from a plant-based source. So just making sure that we're getting like enough protein if we're vegan, making sure that, um, the, the sources that we're choosing are varied because we have all these different amino acids that make up our proteins. Plant sources are never complete. So they don't have all of, um, all of the amino acids in one source. So tofu, um, like seeds, peanuts, thank you. Uh, those kinds of things, they're not going to be complete sources of protein versus like an animal protein that will be. So making sure that if we uh, are on a vegan or vegetarian diet, that we're getting a really big mix of different kinds of protein sources to make sure that we're getting everything the body needs. So that's the nutrient one. I know I sort of went off on that. <laughs> Any, anything you want to touch on there? Yeah, um, all really good points. I will just um, do a little callback. So we had a, an episode with a dietitian, um, and one thing that Tanya mentioned is that if you're, you know, that snack right before you train, um, some people will have a harder time digesting that and having a good time in their training if it's particularly fatty or protein heavy. So maybe yeah. something a little bit more carby. I am definitely one of those people. One time yeah. I had um, some fried chicken before class and I wanted to die. <laughs> was the worst experience I've ever had on the pole. So, um, oh my God, yes. like something, something like fried chicken that is like really, um, oily yeah. and like it's a heavier kind of protein for sure. Not necessarily our best option. Like even like giving yourself like two, three hours to let the body digest that. <laughs> Yes. But if that's the case, even having something like, um, I'll use, I'll use the example of Gatorade, but like whatever sports drink, or you can make your own sport drink, whatever feels good for you, that we're giving the body some sort of carb and some sort of like electrolyte mm. so that we're not going on empty. And it's something that can be like readily available. So I like the example of Gatorade because it's really like readily acceptable. Um, and it gives us that carbohydrate. Yes, there's red dyes in it. We can choose like one of the non-colored ones. Just if you get the zero, like Gatorade zero, that doesn't actually have sugar in it, don't do that because we need the carbohydrate. Okay, we don't need sugar alcohols in our body. We need the carbs. Or we can make our own sport drink. So you could do water and mix into it some honey or, or some maple syrup. You can add a little bit of lemon and a little bit of salt. And there we go. And it can, it can help, uh, help give our body some of the nutrients that it needs to perform its best. 
then again, we're not running on empty. There's a... Um... Uh, I'm going to go on a little bit of a story tangent here, mm-hmm. but uh, so I, I come from a farming background and when um, folks were out making hay, um, you know, my, my grandparents, my great grandparents, um, the kids would bring them out water that had like a little bit of apple cider vinegar and lemon juice and salt in it. And that, you know, they, they bury it, bury the jug. So it would stay a little bit cool. And like, that's what people drank while they were haying for that reason. Cause that's, if you've ever made hay, it's extremely physical. It's very hard. <laughs> I haven't, but like, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, like that's, that kind of thing is what we need to help keep our body going. That's awesome. So if we have our nutrient all down path, the next thing I would look at is hydration. So this goes into <laughs> that, like, a drink. yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm here still with my coffee, emotional support coffee. Um, but hydration. So looking at, okay, a, are we drinking enough water to begin with? That's a big one for some people. And then sometimes are we drinking too much water that we're not getting enough electrolytes in? So yeah, there's these, like, you see the big, massive water, water bottles that have the, like the time signatures on it, like 11 AM, you can do it like 12 PM, get to here, which is great. But also if we're hydrating too much without an electrolyte, so exactly like you said, a little bit of vinegar, lemon juice, salt, if we need some carb, adding in uh, maple syrup or honey, or if we prefer to not make one on our own, yeah, like a sports drink has a time and place. They're not, they're not the devil. Um, putting that into our routine. And now I know with a lot of people, hydration can be a challenge. And so it doesn't have to be like straight up boring water, but we can do something like a herbal tea, so mint tea, um, like a cardamom tea, even. Um, I'm in Canada, the Tim Hortons, uh, Tim Hortons apple cinnamon tea, which is really popular. Like hey, y'all have heard are... sweet tea, <laughs> sweet yeah. tea, great sports drink. Uh, I may be like unsweet tea for the rest of the day. <laughs> That's hilarious. True sweet tea. Um, is sweet tea caffeinated? Yes. Usually, okay, so well, you can know. make a decaf. So. Okay, so decaf, fine. Caffeinated, less fine. Um, so decaf herbal teas there. Um, we can use those instead to add like a little something to our water. We can put, maybe if we don't want salt, but we can put like lemon or lime or orange slices, grapefruit, whatever the heck we want into our water to make it just a bit more palatable. This is a place where I don't mind using something like a, um, like a crystal light or a, um, like energy or emergency, like one of those things, because if it makes you drink the water compared to not drinking it at all, I would rather you drink the water with the crystal light or with that like flavor booster, even if it has maybe some stuff that isn't as favorable, I'd rather you have enough water with that stuff in it compared to not enough. We can also put even like a little bit of juice and mix it in so that it's flavorable or flavorful. And, and also another option I give my clients is um, you can use fizzy water. So only if your tummy doesn't get bothered by, um, by fizzy drinks. And even I would say like, you can go like half fizzy water, half regular water. So that again, it just makes it more palatable, but looking at that basic of, are we hydrating enough? 
And what strategies do we need to use to make sure we're hydrating? Okay, are we hydrating, but are we getting a proper mineral hydration? Are we getting those electrolytes in? That is another important one that we can forget about, but can really affect our performance mm -hmm. and our recovery because those electrolytes, it's sodium, it's potassium, it's what our muscles need to contract and relax, it's what our body needs to function. So if we're lacking those things, then that um, that can be a lot, like a much bigger issue than we think about. Um, and especially now also, like again, going back to diet culture, like to not salt your food. It's, it's, it frustrates me so much. It's like, no, our bodies need sodium. Our bodies don't need excessive sodium. But then when you take it away completely and you don't put salt in your food, you don't eat any processed food, where are you getting that sodium from? And again, it is one of the main things our body needs and that in itself can cause, um, can cause a lot of problems. I was watching, there was a cooking show. It was like some silly one on, I think like Amazon Prime or something. I don't know, but like a really like uh, not popular cooking show. And there was this family and they're talking about how they all have thyroid issues. Hmm. They refuse to salt their food. I and they using really dice salt. No, and then they refuse to salt their food in this competition because they're like, it's unhealthy. And they're like, we all have thyroid issues. Like, oh, do you? Like, what? Because again, when we're not giving our body the, the nutrients it needs, it's not going to function. And demonizing, demonizing whether it's an entire food group, whether it's a macronutrient, whether it's a micronutrient, is not the answer. We need to have all of them in appropriate amounts. Yeah. So. We're, so, yeah. we're omnivores. I like to, uh, yeah. if any of you are uh, people who enjoy going to zoos, sometimes I'll like, like, I'm a nerd. Sometimes I'll like <laughs> read research into like putting together diets for different zoo animals and like raccoons, they're like a little bit of everything. They need the variety. It's what makes them happy, healthy raccoons. We like raccoons. Oh. We need the variety. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Toronto. We love our raccoons here. <laughs> It's true. You see them all the time and they'll eat anything. A raccoon has eaten candy out of my hands before, um, which like I don't recommend, but, but it's happened. So after we look at nutrition, hydration, I'd say the next thing is sleep, sleep slash stress slash recovery. You know, basically are we giving our body adequate sleep to be able to recover well and to function properly? And then are we getting enough like parasympathetic nerve mm -hmm. activation? So that rest and digest state that lets our body rebuild for a lot of people. And again, I'm going to say it like probably 10 more times in this episode, but diet culture and that like fitness culture that we have people going to do like hit classes twice a day, or, you know, I'm going to do like, my pull class and then I'm going to do another class right after and then I'm going to go somewhere else and do something else. It's pretty common for studios to offer unlimited passes and then have classes every single day and for folks to take them and that is, that's too much. Exactly, exactly. So are we giving the body appropriate time to recover in between exercise? Are we using recovery practices at home? So things that like foam rolling, like deep breathing or meditation practices to help us get into that like recovery state, that rest and digest state. And then when we look at sleep, just like quite frankly, are you sleeping seven hours a night? When, and 
like again the, like the the culture we have of hustle like go 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 do this kind of thing you know almost like make your body suffer it's really not not productive for actually getting us to be the best we can be and to function optimally and again with everything we're saying here like yes your body can function without these things but when we look at functioning optimally this is the things that we have to have in place so even if we sleep like just five to six hours a night then we can see reductions in muscle strength we see increase in injury risk we see um changes in mood mm -hmm. you know and uh changes also in like insulin sensitivity even that reaction time so, goes down as well which is important yes. In whole. <laughs> yes exactly right so are we sleeping enough and then if we're not okay let's look at our sleep hygiene do you have a nighttime routine? Because I mean, it sounds like, but that's for like, that's for my child. Like, no, it's for you too. Getting a routine in place to tell your body, hey, this is the time to calm down. This is like getting your body ready to sleep. Making sure that we're sleeping in a dark room. So whether we need blackout curtains or using a face mask, whether or uh, keeping our room cool, so we sleep better. We are more able to access deeper sleep in a cool room. So whether that's getting like a little fan, I had uh, in, in our house here, my room is like on top of the garage and like at the side in the corner and the AC doesn't reach it. The heat doesn't reach it. So in the winters I'm freezing in the summers it's boiling. And I have my little, like um, my little AC unit that I got for like 20 bucks on Amazon. It does the job. You know, but keeping the room cool can be very helpful. Going back to nutrition, making sure we're getting enough nutrition in. Ideally, we're not eating a big meal about two hours before, or like from about two hours before we go to sleep. I'm, I'm all for like bedtime snacks. Um, I am, and I'm sure many pole dancers are, I'm of the ilk that I get hungry. Like I'll wake up hungry in the middle of the night if I don't like eat enough or I'll wake up really early and I'm like, I need to eat something like right now. Um, so it, like bedtime snack is fine as long as it's something that's a bit easier to digest. Um, so like a rice cake with a little something on it, um, some sort of like, um, like, oh, I'm losing the word white carb, like simple. easy to digest carbohydrate, simple. Thank you. That's the word like simple carbohydrate. Um, maybe some fruit, but yeah, exactly. Fruit, that kind of thing. So not having a big, heavy meal, no fried chicken right before bed, <laughs> but making sure that, you know, we're not going to have our body worried about something else mm -hmm. while we sleep. Um, and obviously trying to limit screen time before bed, aiming for about two hours before bed and limiting alcohol intake before bed as well, as those can really affect not necessarily like, yeah, like, oh, I need this to fall asleep. I have a glass of wine, it helps me get to sleep. But it impacts our quality of sleep, which even if we're sleeping nine hours, if it's poor quality sleep, it's still gonna have the same effect as if we're not sleeping enough. So looking into those practices, are they all there? Is our body excessively stressed out? And that is, all aspects of stress, whether that is physical stress, like are we training too much? Are we like mentally stressed out? Like what's going on in our lives, that kind of thing. And what practices do we have in place to manage those things? Yeah. One of my favorite uh, um, techniques for uh, stress management 
is the spheres of control technique. So basically you sit and you write out things that are within your control, things that maybe you like have some control over, but not a hundred percent and things that are completely out of your control. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful to a, like be able to visualize what are those things in my life that I'm like stressing about, but what do I actually have control over? What do I not? And we can take the time to like grieve the lack of control over certain things and acknowledge it and say, yes, this is the thing. And I am allowed to be afraid about this thing, or I'm allowed to be stressed about this thing. But also here are the things that I do have control over. And this is what I can do. And I can put my effort and my energy into these things rather than those. And it gives us action steps towards uh, towards like managing the different aspects of our lives that may be stressful. But it also allows us to say, hey, I am allowed to be like stressed about these things and I can give my time myself the time to be stressed about these things. So personally, that's one technique that I, I enjoy um, so maybe using I found. I was going to say, so maybe for a poll example, you can't control a competition date or a performance date. You have some control over your training schedule, right? Like maybe you need to get in when the studio is empty. So you have some control over there, but you can sort of define frequency. And then you have complete control over whether or not you sign up for it. Yeah, exactly. And, and let's say you have control over, you know, what you do in your training sessions. Yeah. We don't necessarily have full control over, am I going to feel crappy that day? Am I going to catch a cold? But yeah, exactly. We can lay those things out. That's a lovely example. Thank you for that. So using those kinds of things. And then I'd say the last bit, uh, like the last, not necessarily the last thing, depending on the client, obviously, but the last of these basics is just our overall movement. So, hey, you're trying to do a handspring. You're trying to get a leap. Can you squat? Can you do a proper squat? Can you get, you know, your knees in line over your toes? Can you drive your hips back? If that isn't there, good Lord, how are you going to jump up? Hmm. Like, again, we can, we can compensate, but it's not going to be as efficient. And therefore it's going to be a lot harder to do. We're not going to be able to generate as much power and our injury risk goes up. They were trying to do, um, other kinds of motion, like thing with handsprings, different hmm? a pole climb. Great example of a, a place where you really need squat strength. Yes, exactly. So doing those kinds of things, what do we do with it? I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to invert, but mm -hmm. I don't have the core stability. I don't have the core strength to lift my legs. Okay. Do you have, can you activate like your transverse abdominus? Do you know how to properly activate your core? Do you know how to like create pressure control in your, like in your abdomen to even start there? Mm -hmm. Are your hip flexors just trying to do it all, you know, like hip flexors do. So looking at that, looking at the shoulders, if somebody, let's say we're having issues with climbs or we're having issues with like walkovers. Mm -hmm. Or even just spins. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it back to Paul and not as, um, <laughs> as familiar with the apparatus. Um, but if I don't have that full shoulder range of motion, it's going to go into my elbow. It's going to go into my wrist. It's going to go into my low back. Yeah. And when we're compensating there, then same deal. We're not going to have as much ability to like do the motion. We're going to 
up our risk for injury and we're going to decrease our efficiency in it. Yeah. And so then, those are like the, the, the basics, especially from like back to the Instagram post. Like those are the things that I'm like, we have to get a handle on this mm-hmm. before, or rather like even concurrently, we can start working on the specific skills, the specific routines, getting whatever it is into the more sports specific um, stuff. Definitely. So building up, you know, making sure you're fueling adequately, making sure your nutrition's right, making sure your hydration is right. And for, you know, nutrition, hydration, if you're below things, your brain uses what I think like a quarter of all the calories you eat in a day go straight to your brain. So if you're reducing that, you know, you're also not going to have as much mental clarity and you'll just feel worse. Nobody yeah. wants that. Um, make sure your sleep is good, checking in with your stress. So, and these are, for those of you who are in my conditioning club, we have a bi-weekly check-in and these are some of the things we talk about, right? Like what's Beautiful. going on in your life? What's your movement diet? What are you, what are you doing around in the world? Uh, and how is that impacting your poll? Cause it will, regardless of what it is. You know, if I sit all day, that's going to impact how I show up on the poll. If I'm gardening all day, that's going to impact how I show up on the poll. Um, and yeah. then breaking things down into into movement patterns um and again for for my students uh you're you're you might have wondered why <laughs> we do so much off-ball conditioning uh working on that you know strength endurance mobility body awareness well <laughs> it's because even though you're spending time not working on the thing you think you want to work on in the way you think you want to work on it um you're going to progress more quickly um and it feels so counterintuitive and it's you I understand as a student, it can feel frustrating for you to go in and be like, I'm working on, you know, Gennaro. Uh, and we're like, okay, <laughs> how is your like general ability to backbend and breathe at the same time? Because if you can't do that, it's never happening. Um, or it might happen and then, you know, you might pass out worst case scenario and fall. And nobody wants that to happen. You don't want that to happen. So sometimes it may feel like you are regressing but you're really progressing in small parts that make up the whole you know that that made me think when i was um 17 18 or so and i had moved away from home for the first time and i had been i was training about 20 hours a week in circus i know it was dumb it was great i loved it but like (laughs) i'll get to the dumb part i was in pain Mm. i was hurting every day and i i love my coaches i will i wouldn't change anything about the experience but it was just a different experience and we just didn't know as much as we know now Mm -hmm. and all my coaches were eastern european you know so i was hurting and they were like normal of course yeah exactly and then i went to university and like my body just absolutely crapped out Mm -hmm. um and like it hurt to walk you know, I couldn't, I remember once like running across the street to get a light and just being like, Oh my God, like what just happened? And I ended up, and this is ultimately what led me to athletic therapy was I went to the athletic therapy clinic at, um, at my university. And I was really, I got really mad one day because my therapist asked me to squat mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I, it was, Oh, it was awful. It was so like looking back, I'm like, Oh, it's like embarrassing. But he was like, you can't be a gymnast if you can't squat. Mm. And I was really pissed off because I was like, I keep telling you, like, I'm not a gymnast. I am a circus performer. Like I'm an aerialist. This is what I do. It is different than gymnastics. But he was right, quite frankly. And I didn't realize that until years later. And I still like, 
it still like it would still irk me just thinking about how he was like telling me that I had to do this thing. And I'm like, no, I do the thing without the squat. That's not the problem. And now I'm like, it definitely was the problem. And I would have progressed so much more in my acrobatics. My acrobatics were always a really uh, like struggle, big struggle for me. It took me way too long to get those skills. Um, I start, I started at 13, which is like kind of late, but I'm like late uh, it, for people listening, big air quotes there. Um, but I was done growing and yeah, just struggled a lot with those skills. And I'm like, had I had a, like some basic strengthening that we would do and basic like movement patterns taught, I'm so curious as to what I would have been able to accomplish and also how my body like would have felt. Yeah. Um, uh, you, especially recreational folks, you should not be in pain because of yeah. your hobby. This is a fun thing that you do. Uh, my studio sort of tagline is pole should make you feel better. And if it's not, something's wrong, something needs to change. It might be, you know, how often you're training. It may be what you're training. Um, it may be you need to add other stuff. Uh, it may be you need to take away other stuff, um, but something needs to change just being in pain all the time is not normal. Um, and I say no. that, of course, you know, folks who have chronic illness and, and chronic pain, um, my heart goes out to you. Uh, you know that's not normal. <laughs> uh, and um, that's, a, that's a rough road to hoe, but if there's, you know, a reason for it, and the reason is just like the thing you're doing for fun to feel better, that's just, as a fitness professional, not acceptable. We gotta, we gotta change something. Right, and, and when I started was, 2008 or so and so you know the culture also like within circuits and, and aerial was completely like was very different i mm -hmm. think there's been really great change in the past like absolutely five seven years but circus hurts like that's what we would say like it hurts deal with it and yes it hurts but it should hurt appropriately mm -hmm. and it should hurt in like certain ways and not others Yes, there you will know. always be friction and pressure. Those are unavoidable, but yes. <laughs> there shouldn't be, you know, pain in your joints. That's avoidable. Right. I used to, I would, and like, again, I look back and I'm like, geez, like, why? Like, why did nobody like say, hey, go to a physical therapist, please. Even um, anytime I would do a straddle stretch, I would get burning in the side of my leg. Which looking back now, I'm like, yo, you were probably just impinging a nerve a little bit in that position because you only trained passively. That's what we did at that time. And your muscles didn't know what the heck to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, I, I would ask my instructor and they were just like, try like massaging it, try rolling it a little bit. Okay. I asked my doctor. I said, it hurts when I stretch. And he told me to stretch more. And I was like, eh? but at the time I trusted my doctor and I stretched more. <laughs> Let me tell you, it didn't help. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just having like an understanding of like your body doesn't need to hurt this way. You know, there's, there's ways to train around this. There's ways to strengthen around this. What could be causing this pain? It's not normal. Like there's so much more there now, which is awesome. Um, and I'm thankful that like, there's so many more of us now 
who are like, you know, screaming from the rooftops. It's like, strengthen your active flexibility. Do it. Go eat a snack, please. Yeah. yeah. I, am, I think that pole is certainly behind circus in terms of, of that transition, but I think even now we're getting better, right? Like yeah. when I started pole, I'm trying to think like the first time someone said the words active flexibility to me. Um, it would probably have been a good three, four years after I started. And I think it was a circus instructor. Uh, it was an aerial instructor. It wasn't, wasn't a pole instructor. Um, yeah. mm, it might have been someone who was a pole instructor at that time and is only an aerial instructor now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it was certainly not the... Um, the, the done thing. And I mean, yeah. pole is also a very young discipline, right? Like Fania, who started the first pole studio, is still teaching pole. It just has not been around that long. So there's yeah. so much room for growth and to bring in, you know, we know as humans so much more about how the human body works and how to move well and feel good today than we did 10 years ago. Uh, the mm -hmm. amount of research that's being done is really, really phenomenal. Um, and we, we can benefit from that. We just have to like seek it out and do the work of adding it in. And by we, in this case, I'm mostly talking about, you know, teachers and professionals, like that's part of my job is I got to go, you know, rummaging through those papers and be like, okay, does, is this relevant? Do I need to do this? You know, maybe I'll try it out in my own training and see, see what I notice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, so I think this is gonna be a long one, but I wanna make sure we don't go over our, our scheduled time. Um, so if folks wanted to uh, work with you or find out more, what are some ways that they could do that? And what are some, some good places to find you on, on the internet? For sure, so I'm probably the most active on Instagram. I'm Ben Don't Break AT with uh, periods in between each of those. I am also on bendontbreak.net or you can reach me through email at bendontbreak.at at gmail.com. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as Yasmin Moocher. Um, and I also have a profile on Circus Talk, uh, also as Yasmin Moocher. So any of those places, I'm around. I'm more than happy to chat with people. It's, it's the best. I love it. The more that we can have these conversations going about how to better the practices of pole and aerial, mm. the better it is. So yes. anytime. Absolutely. And we all deserve better, right? Like yeah. things are, you know, plenty of things in the world are crappy. Your fun activity you do for fun should not be one of them. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Yasmin. This has been uh, a treasure trove of information and hopefully folks who are listening can be like, all right, I've got a couple tips I can take there. Maybe, uh, maybe some sleep, sleep hydration. Sleep hygiene. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't recommend sleep hydration. That sounds like a bad idea. Um, maybe some sleep hygiene, maybe some nutrition, um, maybe even just, you know, working with a personal trainer and evaluating your, your foundational movement patterns and being like, okay, maybe this needs some little work. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Of course. Of course. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening and I will talk with you soon. Thanks so much for joining me today, Pole Dancer. This podcast is a production of Slink Through Strength, the inclusive evidence-based online pole studio. So if you're looking for a place to train, either off pole, conditioning and flexibility, or learning pole tricks and refining your pole movement, uh, you can find us online at slinkthroughstrength.com.